Welcome to Rewriting the Rules, the show about women leaders in Asia. My name is Ritu Mehrish and I interview successful women leaders across Asia to discover how they are rewriting the rules of life, career and relationships. From them we'll get practical and actionable tips that we can use to accelerate our own career journeys. Don't worry about writing them all down because I will summarize them towards the end. We will also link the entire transcript in the show notes. Thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this uh, these interview series and I'm really excited to welcome you here. Um and before I start off I do want to you know briefly introduce you Fanny Hon, Vice President Strategic Deals, Head of ESG APAC DHL Supply Chain. Uh, in the supply chain division of DHL, Fanny's role involves managing transformational business opportunities for Asia Pacific and overseeing the sustainability agenda for the region. She's also the DEIB sponsor for DHL Supply Chain APAC. So I'm going to ask you questions on how you started your career, uh, what were some of the twists, some of the risks that you took, uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges, what are some of the insights. Uh, if you were to look back, uh, what would your advice be to your younger self? So let's start with when you started your career, did you think you will end up where you are now? Did you really plan it that way? No, not at all, Ritu. Um, I mean, given that I studied chemical engineering, I have a bachelor's and master's degree, and I started on my career with a government agency in Singapore. You know, never, never did I imagine that I'll be doing what I do today. So, I, I mean, clearly, life has had its sort of surprising twists and turns. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, chemical engineer, how did you land where you are right now? So, walk us through the journey <laughs> of it. Yes. So, so, so I, I studied engineering because I, I wanted a you know a technical degree. I liked math. I like chemistry. I put them together and say, okay, let's just do chemical engineering, right? Probably sort of a useful degree to have. But um, um, I, I was given a scholarship, so I went back to the government for a couple of years. Um, I guess the surprising twists and turns, so to speak, are probably happened in in, in at two points in my life. In twenty fourteen. Um, I decided to relocate to London to join my then fiance and now husband, um, and so therefore I had to change uh, my job, right? From uh, changing geography first from Singapore to London, and then at the same time changing sort of my career path from the public sector to the private sector at the same time. The second twist or turn probably happened in uh, 2017, where um, I then decided or we then decided to move back to Singapore for personal family reasons. And then again, I switched um, and, and I ended up joining DHL where I am right now. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two follow-up questions on that. So 2014, okay. um, firstly, the geographical shift, right? From Singapore to London yeah. uh, and working there. Was that your first overseas assignment in terms of working? No, I, I was actually based in London before that for about three years with the Singapore government agency. Um, and, and that was where sort of I met my, my husband um, at the time. So it wasn't, but the, the, the working environment context was different. Being working for a London branch, so to speak, of a, of a Singapore organization versus then going back the second time and sort of ingraining myself in a very um, British, but also very European or international working culture and organization um, in London. So that was quite, quite, quite different, yeah. really, from, uh, from my experience. Uh, 
what were two or three things that that come to your mind that were different during uh, between the two? Um, the first noticeable difference probably so I'm not by any means so to speak a, a quiet person, but I think um, being an Asian um, in a, a very international working culture uh, overseas, I quite quickly realized that I, it was hard to speak up. It was really, really hard to speak up. And this was sort of in my younger days where everyone, and this was a management consulting room, so everyone had something to say. And it was really, really difficult to find my voice, um, to speak up in a crowd where everyone was dying to say something. So I think that was one where I really had to force myself and get out of the comfort zone to say something. Because as a management consultant, if you don't get to say something, you're very, very quickly out of a job. So I think that was probably one, one big um, shift for me. Um, the second difference was um, in when my first time in London, it was still a very Asia-centric so to speak, uh, nature of the job, where I was looking at foreign direct investment into Singapore. So I took a more Singapore-Asia-centric view of the world. But the second time when I went back to London, that was obviously rooting myself into a, a, a UK organization working on European um, supply chain um, jobs, you know, so projects. And therefore, very, very different perspective from a business environment as well as the sort of topics in discussion so there's sort of probably two, the two main differences okay um you know which kind of leads me to my next question on uh, you know the, the, especially the part about finding it hard to speak up finding your voice how did you navigate that because that is one of the challenges that um you know we see mm. quite quite prevalent even today um in the asian context and especially women leaders since the interview is focused on women leaders how did you navigate that so so i i think so, it starts with self awareness so i i knew that my personality trait um it's it's what we call cool blue so I, i'm analytical by nature so i often listen to what the others have to say and then somewhere in the middle or even towards the end, I come in either to express a different view or I try to frame the different points of view and to guide the, the session along. So it doesn't, you have to find your space where it's not necessarily coming with a new idea, sexy idea per se, that no one else has thought of. Some people are good at that. But my, my strength is in framing ideas and framing thoughts. So that's where I tie myself. That's where I listen, active listening works you know, to gather that, and then you find that opportunity to then speak up. So I think that's just some tips and tricks in terms of self-awareness and how to navigate. Yeah, yeah I love that because you said self-awareness and also really finding what's your strength. So you don't need mm -hmm. to become that vocal person right from tomorrow, but at least you know what your strengths are. In your mm -hmm. case, you said you could synthesize the conversation and, you know, and kind of analyze and maybe come in between. So that's a great tool and building self-awareness, right? So thank you for sharing that. As you look back at your career, what have been the top two or three challenges? Uh, you know, because we've all faced challenges in, in our long careers. Uh, what have been your top two, three challenges? One of the challenges and remains the case is um, networking. I'm not a natural networker. Um, some people, and, and what I mean is, so I, I'm friendly, I like to chat with people but I'm not very intentional and deliberate in the way of forming connections, professional relationships, you know, with sort of that mutual interest in mind, because 
you hear that a lot, you know, it's like, oh, women, you need to network. Women are men <clears throat> in your professional career network. But when you're not naturally comfortable with it, um, you could overdo it. You come across as, you know, not authentic. And, and, and it shows, it shows. So I think for me, what I focus on then is just, um, uh, like I say, focus on people, not the opportunity. So I'm, I'm just generally interested in people. I focus on people, you know, active listening, which I talk about, um, and just keeping a tighter group of people that um, I'm more comfortable with, and that's okay, yeah? Um, and it, it is not about sort of casting the net very wide. So, so I found sort of that pace that I'm comfortable um, and, and I think that's where, you know, I, I work with. The second challenge is finding balance. So in recent years now, I found my groove. I'm very, very comfortable, but that was not the case a couple of years ago. So one of the reasons why I um, went to London and then came back to Singapore three years later was precisely because I couldn't find a balance. So at the time, I was doing a management consulting role. Um, I had one one young child born in London and I was really struggling as an employee and as a mother because it's the nature of the job, man. I, you know, four days a week, I, I would be you know living out of a suitcase somewhere in Europe on a, on a client project. I had a young child, no family support, um, no sort of um, child-minding, a strong <clears throat> child-minding network, yeah? Uh, and, and I was really, really, really stuck and, and I was unhappy at home and also at work. So that was a real challenge for me. And the solution was um, a big move, but an easy one. I, I, I just changed my job. I had one of those Christmas, New Year resolution, <laughs> difficult conversations with my husband. He said, change, change, find, find something that will make you happy, whether in London or in Singapore. In February 2017, two months later, I got a job offer by DHL, a bit of surrender pity in there. And then by May, we relocated. So all in nine months, you know, I sort of just shifted and and then I found I found the balance since right so I think do something about it that that that's always one solution to, to get right uh no on a lighter side I'm also hearing um you know find the right, right spouse I mean the fact that your husband was willing to relocate <laughs> with you right Cheryl Sandberg said right I think one of the biggest decisions you make in your career or something is who you marry I, and I'm paraphrasing that but that wasn't part of my decision making when I married him years ago. But all on hindsight, right? It 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 really made a lot of difference. He's yeah. been an extremely supportive partner, you know, and, yeah. and and that made a big difference. Yeah, that's sure. right. Mm-hmm. But um, do you think, uh, you know, looking at your career, do you think networking is that important, or do we kind of give it too much importance? Like, what's your view on that? For me. Personally, yeah, I may mean, sound a little bit controversial. I, I don't think that networking has been that important. Um, from a personal, self-driven perspective, I, I think what did balance it off is recognizing that the networking, so networking is sort of a self-initiated, right, building connections. But the balance to that is I've also come to appreciate I'm grateful for over the years, right, for ex-bosses, you know, bosses today, stakeholders, etc. that there are people out there who want us to succeed, who want who wants me to, to be successful, yeah, who's willing to invest in me. And sometimes they are the ones who initiate and create that network, if that makes sense. So when I wanted a mentor, I asked for it and they said, okay, how about this person or that person? You know, they've said, Fanny, you should get to know so-and-so. 
So there are some of these nudges and prodding that has come about um, that I'm grateful for that I think has helped a lot without me having to do too much personally from an intentional networking perspective. Not everyone is fortunate to have that, but I do appreciate I've had those opportunities and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. No, I think you make a really good point because um, networking and connections, I mean, as for me, I think networking is the broader term, but building connections is really the essence of it, you know. And and as you said, maybe you built connections with these people, with your ex-bosses, your current bosses, stakeholders. They in turn then nudged you to maybe, or they mm. in turn open their network, right? And and that exactly. actually is a good way. Um, but yeah. very often we don't think of that when we think of network. We just think of like going to these big, uh, big networking events and big yeah, conferences exactly. and exactly and yeah. lots of people. Really good point. Finding a great uh, you know supporting spouse is key. Um, but apart from that, what are some other things that as women leaders we can do? more or or better off in terms of creating a little bit of that system around us? I think finding a routine definitely helps. I think we, we all know this, you know, being as women, having to be a little bit militaristic, I think that's inevitable. Um, I think secondly, setting some boundaries comes to work. How much I can travel and when I don't travel, you know, being more present to focus on some of the other things I need to take care of. It's just little, little things like that. And, and I think... Um, when that balance is not in place, have that confidence also to speak up. I think we all, um, we like to compartmentalize, you know, sort of work and personal, but the reality is that the line fuzzes, right? I know maybe, again, take sort of um, sort of an Asian work ethics and mindset, right? It's sort of all long hours, I've got to, keep, you know, work very hard for the job, it's about... But I think that that mindset philosophy has changed in in in, in Singapore and a lot of different and, and not in all depends depending on obviously the, the employee you work for organizational culture etc. But but I am fortunate that I think in um in DHL we talk a lot about a culture of results and respect. There is results, yes, of course, as an organization or as business, but the respect for boundaries, family first, and all this. So finding the right organization that partners you to do that and achieve that and, 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 and listening, I think that, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I think you really made again a great point about finding the right organization and also speaking up. Uh sometimes I guess we don't give um or we give less credit to our managers or our you know peers or whoever you're working with the teams um in terms of that they won't understand what, what we are going through. But if we share there are chances they might, you know, they'll support. And it's one of those reflections for myself as I progress. I never thought too much about it, but but we are all in a way role models for the others around us. And unless we seek to find a balance and role model that, it's going to be very hard for others to follow, to find a voice, especially younger in the journey. So I think that's just one of those reminders to ourselves. Yeah, always. Yes, exactly. Because uh, you're right, because a lot of younger women, sometimes I speak with them and they're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I do want to do this, but then I have to make a choice. Then maybe I delay doing this, delay doing that on the personal front. But (laughs) if they find enough role models, you know, uh, successful women leaders, successful in their own terms, you know, so that they think it's not necessarily one or the other. They can it can be and uh, this yeah. and that, right? Exactly. So, yeah. a, bit, a bit of the analogy I like to use, I, I do enjoy driving. It's sort of like stepping on the uh, accelerator, right? 
there will be seasons in life where you step a little bit harder and you like to, you know, sort of speed and race a bit. Mm. And then there are times when you let go too. So I think what's most important is that when you are in control on when you to step and when you release, then that's all right. The balance is there. It's when you feel you can't and obviously not. So, but, and there's nothing wrong with going faster and slower at different times and seasons in your life. Has there been time where you thought you're going to get support from this quarter and you did not get, or where you thought you might not get support here, but you ended up getting really good support? Could be organization, outside, anything. But were there any surprises like that? I think the many women leaders you speak to where, you know, they would tell you that they have sort of very deliberately maybe navigated their career. And so, so I was the complete opposite. I'm driven to do well in whatever I do, but I've never been particularly ambitious or very clear in terms of how to navigate my career. It's, I've always been sort of a blank slate. So if I may, the biggest surprise to me always have been that um, I've, I've moved because of life decisions and the people that offered me the roles in what I do, the moves, the moves I've done, they, they have trusted in me more than I really knowing what I wanted, <laughs> if that sort of makes sense. So when I joined a management consultancy, I wasn't a management consultant before, but something they saw in me felt that I could do that role. So I, I went over. And then when I joined DHL, where I am right now, I wasn't a log- logistician when I was offered the role and, and sort of I joined. So um, that's been a lot of, um, yeah, so serendipity in my career. Um, and, and it's okay. And I sort of want to say for some of you out there, so I'm figuring out and it's okay. And uh, surprises have happened. And I think people have seen in me and given me the opportunities. And I've just made sure that I reciprocated that, right? And I've done well in what I do. I try my best to do in what I do. And, and that, that made it work. You're saying it's all about people... Um, seeing that potential in you and, you know, and giving you those opportunities. What would you say is role of an organization in supporting their women leaders? Like what, or maybe is, is there more of a role they can play? Uh, or to, the, to what extent do they play a role in helping women leaders flourish um, and succeed? Mm. So I like this because I think you previously introduced me as the um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging sponsor for supply chain division in uh, APEC as well and in DHL. So I think what I need to set the scene first is that it, it does take time to change. It, it is an evolution. I think we need to recognize that. The awareness and the discussion is quite critical from a culture change perspective. When there's more male than female, unconscious bias naturally happens across and I think just raising that unconscious bias is important. So for us, all the leaders have to go through unconscious bias training as a start, right? And, and that helps. So you can go, ah, there's unconscious bias in there. Everyone gets it. The language, people, when you call it out, they recognize, ah, that's true. I didn't think of it that way. So some of these things will start to progress. Secondly, um, in my many conversations with men, women, I, I do recognize that the imposter syndrome is it's, it's, it's very, very real. It's, it's scientific, right? Sort of a basis behind it, the lack of confidence. So I think there needs to be an even more deliberate attempt or efforts from an organization to support women, recognizing that they are wired differently from men. It is not tokenism, but it's just recognizing that different environment. So whether is it 
mentorship programs, whatever works, right? Whether is it um, coaching programs, whether is it senior leadership, you know, stakeholder buy-in. There are various levers and tools, and it's all out there. There's no silver bullet, but a couple of little, little smaller things, so to speak, all pieced together that can help create a culture change um, for, for female leaders to rise through the ranks. If you were to look back, what advice would you have to your younger self? Something that's like actionable and, you know, something that's tactical, actionable. What is one advice you could give your younger self? Ritu, I still feel very young, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, stand stand corrected. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) Joking, joking. Um, Younger self, um, I, I think for sure to be kinder to yourself. I think a lot of us feel that way. When I was younger, um, there's always a feeling a need to um, do more, um, a lot more expectations. I could have done better. And I don't think it's a female or male thing. It's just, you know, in, when you're younger, that's sort of that feeling. And, and so looking back, then you go, oh, maybe you should have been kinder to yourself. Um, the second thing is some of the, the roles I did, the softer skills that I picked up in my younger days, I think were extremely, extremely useful. So park aside the technical skills and the competencies, right, in each of the job, but things like um, communication skills, you know, framing your ideas, um, active listening, I've said this many times now, um, all of these soft skills, I think has, you know, even presentation skills, for example, all these soft skills have really put me in good state uh, across the various years because I guess that's part of sort of building the executive presence, you know, and, and engaging senior stakeholders and all those. Starting from a young age, I think just helps you to grow that along and, and that will that will help you quite a bit in your journey. These are just all useful life skills to have. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, you, you call them life skills and, you know, I know a lot of people used to or still call them soft skills and I actually like to call them power skills because these if you start all start start them off early uh, they they become part of you as you said you know um, they come so handy as you keep continue as you continue to grow in your career and adding to your executive presence so well said and I think that is what I can say to our um, emerging women leaders is that don't look at any of these skills as oh they're just nice to have a soft skill they're actually power skills that will take you uh, take you along Um, great Um, you know so it it has been really great speaking to you Um, Fanny thank you again for your time I mean I, I took away a lot and some of the things that stood out for me uh, one of them was stay in control. Uh, there will be seasons where you'll press the accelerator, you'll press the gas, but in some time you might have to let go of it. So select where, you know, which season you're going fast, which season you're going slow, but stay in control. I think that's so powerful because it's when we feel we are not in control is where we feel powerless. And that's when it starts to show in everything we do. So that, that was one of the key takeaway. My second key takeaway take was that, you know, organizations have a big role to play. There is no silver bullet and things are changing, but it's going to take time. So consistent efforts uh, from an organization perspective and patience required from from, you know, from women leaders side to see the change. because It's going to take time. You know, we have a lot of work to do. And my favorite was um, that, uh, you know, on networking, because it, what you said 
kind of really resonated with me that networking is not about just going out and meeting lots of people. It's about finding that small group of people who in turn can help you help open the doors for you. So it's not about uh, quantity, it's about quality of people. So those were the three key takeaways for me uh, from this conversation. Again, there's so much to learn and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Fanny. Thank you so much for your time again. Likewise, Ritu. Thank you. Thank you for inviting Thank me. You. Thank you so much for staying with us till the end. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please take a moment to subscribe to the show, rate us five stars and leave a review. It would help others find the show and that means a lot to us. Thank you for joining us today. This was Ritu with Rewriting the Rules podcast. See you next time.